Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Lulo. We specialize in author interviews, audiobook, and podcast production, as well as the prestigious Firebird Book Awards. We also feature our fun and short podcast that allows authors to record their own writing tip to share on our very own Boom Bang, Oh My Gosh, Wow podcast, which you will find right along with the rest of our offerings at speakuptalkradio.com. But for right now, I am just thrilled to share a recent Firebird Book Award winning author with you. She is Valeria Allo, and her winning book is titled Uncolonized Latinas. Valeria is an award-winning Hispanic market and mindset thought leader, keynote speaker, and author. She is the creator of a bilingual mindset transformation platform for Hispanic and other professionals and entrepreneurs of color who are first generation to academic and professional spaces. Her work to empower and elevate the Hispanic community has earned her several awards, including Top 50 Women in Business in New Jersey in 2020, the fifth most influential Hispanic in New Jersey in 2021, and Truth and Integrity of the Written Word by Golden Door Global Awards in 2022. Before launching her business, she worked 20-plus years in business development, marketing, and finance in leading companies across seven countries. She currently serves as board member of LUPE Fund and as vice president of Latina Surge, nonprofits that advocate for Latina equal pay, access to education, and civic engagement. She holds degrees in business administration and finance, an MBA, and a master's in spiritual sciences. She is currently pursuing a doctorate in spiritual science. And let me add that the book, Uncolonized Latinas, won the $500 grand prize in this quarter's Firebird Book Awards. What an honor and a treat for me. Welcome to the network. Thank you, Pat, so much for having me. What an honor. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for being here, for writing your book, and congratulations on the book win. I was so happy to share that with you. Yeah, super exciting to, to hear. You know, as a first-time writer, and having written the book in my second language, I have to say I had a lot of support, you know, from Georgetown University, uh, creators, uh, book creators, uh, New Degree Press, a lot of support, a team to make it happen. Still as a first-time author, I always wondered, you know, is this something that will be relevant for people and will essentially leave a legacy, mm-hmm. you know, and make a change in, in the society, in the community. So it's always very inspiring and rewarding and gives me the fuel to continue in this journey and mission when an award like this, you know, is received. I'm absolutely thankful. Oh. Very great. Thank you for saying so. I know sometimes we get down on ourselves, but I always think if we are somehow internally pushed by whatever reason or mechanism it is to produce a book or to put our thoughts on paper and get it out there, it is important. I don't think we would think to do something if it was not important. So I I always feel badly when we second-guess ourselves. Yes, and I have to say we do that a lot in the Latino community, and that's in the book as well. (laughs) It is is in the book as well. I I think it's somewhat of a universal um, situation, but maybe more pronounced um, as, as you did bring to light, and maybe we'll get a chance to talk about that. But before we delve into your book, maybe just share a bit of your background, because I know often our earlier experiences drive us to create what it is we do today. Yes. Yes. 
So I'm from Argentina. That's where the accent is from. I was born in a small town in Argentina, hard-working family. And I was the first one to go to college, first one to access corporate spaces. And all was through the vision that my parents, who didn't have the financial means to pay for my full college education and everything, they just implanted like the seed of the vision of, you're going to be the first one to go to college, and then you're going to have this amazing job. So, you know, that dream they had, I embraced, right? And I worked very, very, very hard. Moved to Buenos Aires, worked full-time while I achieved my college degrees, got into corporate spaces. Um, it was very challenging to adjust to spaces as a first generation because no one around me could guide me <laughs> at all. So I had to figure things out, and that was challenging, and I have to say quite quite stressful. I got married in 2001 and in 2002, my husband and I decided to come to the U.S. for an MBA at Dartmouth. So another big change, culture shock, a big learning opportunity, huge life change. And from there on, this was back in 2002, so a lot happened. I thought I was going to be in the U.S. for three to five years to pay back the huge loan we took (laughs) to study. And life just happens. And I have to say that I call now the U.S. It's my home. I am a proud American. Um, I have two children born in this land, Valentina and Tommy. They are now teenagers. And it's been a journey of, of self-discovery, of identity, figuring out who I was. But overall, the theme has been hard work, very hard work. And part of the book was born because in 2016, I burned out. I just, you know, full-time mother, full-time employee, all the pressures from my culture, all the expectations from my family as well on my own. I burned out in 2016. And that's when I had that moment that you read my bio, right? All those accomplishments. I was looking into that and I'm like, how is it possible that I accomplished so much and I feel miserable? And I'm not happy. How is that even a, a possibility? So I embarked on a journey of understanding how I got into that situation, how looking back in my life, how much sacrifice and hard work and how I felt as an immigrant coming to the U.S., what that uh, marked, how that marked me inside and the experience of, of redefining my identity and trying to fit in until I just couldn't, couldn't he, couldn't keep up. I burnt out. So the blessing of burning out was that I got myself immersed for the first time in the Latino community. I quit my corporate job. I accepted a position to help the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce to launch a platform for entrepreneurs. It was the first time that I was fully surrounded by Hispanics. And I started to observe that the same behavior and thought patterns that brought me to a burnout I could see that around me, how hard we work, how lacking and inadequate we feel, how we push ourselves so much and believe we need to change who we are to succeed. And that's how essentially the book and the work that I do, the platform, was born out of my own experiences and then hundreds of other Hispanics who I learned, wow, I'm not alone. This is cultural and good thing, good news, it can it can be changed. So that's a, you know, the summary of my 46 years. <laughs> oh my, you know, thinking back on the innocence and the well-meaning of your parents to 
have faith in you and belief in you and yet kind of a double-edged sword in that now you felt tremendous pressure to perform. Yes, yeah, it's that's very cultural for 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 a generation it's very common because um the unfulfilled dreams of your parents. Mm -hmm. Now you have the opportunity to go through those doors and you do it for you in a way but you also do to make them proud mm -hmm. and because you can see the light in their eyes when they see you. Like, I still remember the day I graduated from college. My father was, like, beaming. He <sighs> smiled, you know, and they, it's generations of, of family members working really hard for me to get to a place that I can't be that one having access to those spaces. So you really want to do well for yourself, but also for, for them. And there is also a financial situation, a financial reality that many times we end up being financial supporters for our full family. Mm -hmm. That's a reality. So it's it's a it's a sense of pride, but also a, a duty in a way. You know what I mean? It's yes. like knowing that being the one who has access to all of that, you feel in your heart that you also need to make life a little easier and better for them too. Mm -hmm. And so there is that inner impulse inner expectations about yourself, but also the, the, their own expectations or their own pride and all the emotions that come with us, you know? You're almost the child and the parent at the same time once you reach that point where you, you kind of fulfilled their dreams and yours. As you say, you're, you're taking care of them. And uh, yeah, you've got that dual role. Yes, and what you're mentioning, Pat, is super important because something that I learned through the process of writing the book I'm an immigrant, so I was not born in the U.S., and it was really eye-opening for me to discover as a writer interviewing Latinas. I interviewed 55 Latinas, so from all over, you know, all over the U.S., immigrants, born here, business owners, professionals, corporate leaders, so a huge variety, even racial diversity. And something that struck me is the experience of children, Latino children who were U.S. born, and how they became the translators for their parents. That's not my personal experience, but it's the experience of millions of Latinos here in the U.S., how they become the translators mm -hmm. for their parents. And because their parents are not fluent in, in, in English, so they find themselves being seven years old, nine, nine years old, walking into doctor's offices, government offices, becoming translators, and, you know, Many times the system has not been ready to embrace that these adults cannot communicate. And many times the other adult, you know, in the government office or the doctor's office was dismissive towards these adults who could not communicate fluidly. And the child who is eight years old, nine, ten, had to translate a dismissive uh, type of communication to their parents. So that really marked them how they saw, you know, the authority figure in their lives. Suddenly mom and dad, who are big authority figures, get diminished mm -hmm. out there. And how that marked them growing up is, is remarkable. And the, they become the parents of their own parents mm -hmm. from a young age. Mm -hmm. That to me was one of the big, big learnings that I had writing this book. Being a Latina and having been immersed for a couple of years in the Latino community, these are topics we do not talk about. I didn't have any clue. I had friends, 
lifelong friends who have been translators growing up, they never shared that experience with me. It's something we don't talk about too much in the Latino community, but it's something that really leaves a mark on these children as they grow up. Oh, my. Yes, I can imagine it wouldn't be something that, that anyone would talk about. It kind of just is, and that's just the way it is, and, and who would even think to talk about it until somebody brings it up. And once it becomes that conversation, I think then people realize, oh, wow, I felt that way too, or that happened to me. And then it just opens up more and more conversations. And that's why I think your book was just is so profound and so important because it's a conversation starter. Yes, it brings to light all of these, you know, conversations that never happened. And as I describe my own culture, we're a culture of silence. Mm -hmm. We, you know, our culture influenced us to keep the head down like an attitude of servitude in a way, keep the head down and, and work really hard, not asking for what you need or want. So I have observed that attitude in Latinos in the workplace that they work really hard expecting that somebody will notice and recognize them with a promotion or a salary increase. But if you don't ask, you don't get. Mm -hmm. So that's one. And also the culture of silence of not rocking the boat, being uncomfortable with conflict. And in the U.S., the culture is different in that way. That that was striking to me as I came in. Um, in Argentina and, you know, other Latin American countries, we do not do debates or we don't even do show and tell growing up, okay? So public speaking has not been part of my um, upbringing in, at school or in college. But here, my kids were three years old. They were going to kindergarten with a teddy bear, and they were doing the show and tell from a young age. And that gives a confidence in speaking up that I have seen as a major cultural difference, particularly in the workplace, debate and having different opinions and speaking up and expressing your point of view is expected. And it, you know, is seen as something that will add value to the final product that the opinions of different people from different backgrounds, different opinions will elevate the final product. In the Latino community, we feel uncomfortable with expressing an opinion that goes against the current. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's cultural that we tend to, to shy away from raising our hands and saying, I'm not in agreement with that. I have a different opinion. It's, it's a cultural trait. So it, it takes really a lot of self-awareness and self-drive to be that person that will, you know, break through those cultural influences particularly for women, because our roles were supposed to be different from the leadership roles and the visibility spaces that we're accessing right now. For many of us who are like in this new space, our mothers and grandmothers did not have a job outside the home. They have a job inside the home, which was very, <laughs> they did a lot for us, but they didn't have a job outside the home. So we find ourselves breaking through a lot, even the gender expectation, mm -hmm. right? And what we believe was possible for a woman growing up. This, you know, I surprised myself when I look back into my life 10 years ago where I find myself, it's something I would have never even imagined growing up. You just do not see those possibilities because people who are, are around you, your family, your friends, they do not have access. They are not there. So the life you imagine or you project is essentially what you see growing up. Right. So that's why 
as we enter these new spaces, we start having that internal clash and it feels quite uncomfortable. It's quite cultural and it's very interesting to see because it's running in the unconscious most. It's like a collective unconscious type of situation. Mm-hmm. I get that. You know, talking about your children and and comparing that to where you came from with your parents, you took this giant leap generationally. What you did was a huge leap for everyone because think of your children now. They're, they're being raised by you who has already been through this. It's, it's just amazing what can change within a generation. Yes, it's amazing. And I have to confess <laughs> that it also creates high expectations. Like my kids tell me, I feel a little pressure that I will have to also go to an Ivy League. And I say, no, you don't have to. You have access to go to, thank God, and I can help you navigate those spaces. You know, but they feel pressure. Um, because, you know, the extended family mm-hmm. didn't have the opportunities. Even my cousins, my cousins didn't have the opportunities that I, that I, you know, the doors are open for me. So they can see that, um, oh, my mom even wrote a book, you know, doesn't mean that I need to do that too. You know, they, they, they see that. And the same that I felt, felt growing up, uh, that pressure, I, I want to avoid that for my kids, yes. but it's, I believe it's a natural, mm-hmm. it's a natural thing that they see the, the, the high standards in a way. Mm-hmm. And so it's a learning process for everybody, for me as a mother, for them as children who are born in the U.S. to immigrant parents. Um, and, and it's a journey that we take day by day. Also, I find myself learning to navigate the school system. My children, as I always say, are a little bit of an experiment because I did not attend college in the U.S. I attended college in Argentina. It's a different process. So I find that here as a mother, as an immigrant mother of U.S.-born children, I find myself, despite the education and the access I have, I'm always feeling that I'm behind. And my husband, same thing, we have this discussion. We feel that we are behind because we are not super up to speed you know, you know, with all the tests that they need to go through to, to go to college and how in advance that starts in life. That's not something that you do in your senior year, right? You do it much earlier. So that preparation and how competitive that is in the U.S., we are always feeling that we're behind and trying to catch up to learn. So we feel that, you know, our kids are a little bit of an experiment. But that's part of the growing, I would say, never-ending growing curve that you go through when you you know, break through new spaces and are trying to figure things out. Mm. You know, you use the word uncolonized and uncolonizing. I'm imagining there's a a line there that has to be drawn because you still want to maintain your history and your family experience. How do you manage that? That's such a great question. And talking again about my children, we instill in them the, to be proud of their roots. Even when you have access, like my parents do not speak English. I wrote the book in English and I have, I would say, uh, it, it, I would say a mission <laughs> to translate the book into Spanish because I want my parents to be able to read my book, right? So access to different spaces and what that means, um, 
it's, it's amazing to see how, how that evolves, you know, how, how, and the impact that that has. Uh, but to the word uncolonized, what that means is embracing the good things about our culture. I'm proud of where I come from, even though my parents may not even be able to read my book right now. They don't speak English. I'm proud of the fact that they only speak Spanish. I'm proud when I see them. I'm absolutely proud of where I come from, mm-hmm. my roots. I, I The value they instilled on me to be to do good in the world. You know, right. so the, our culture has a lot of great things that we need to embrace, the creativity, the passion, yes. the hard work, right? Yes. The commitment, the family values, the relationships, uh, the depth of the relationships. So, but uncolonizing means to go back and take a look at how when you come from cultures that were colonized and the historic impact the colonization had on our mindset, um, the poverty, the systemic poverty, the lack of access to resources, that sometimes creates shame in us who come from those cultures because we feel inferior. We feel, you know, when you come from poverty or struggle and suddenly you find yourself in the first world economy, you feel small. <laughs> you feel, you, you, you wonder, what am I going to be able to add here? How can I add value and bring myself fully, you know, into the society? You you can't feel small. So that sense of lacking and feeling inadequate and all the shame that we carry, you know, even unconsciously about where we come from, that is what we need to uncolonize. That's what, that's what we need to reset in our mindset, mm-hmm. change that narrative Embrace what's really powerful and can contribute to you stepping into the world in your highest potential and doing your best work, but also be aware that culturally we have these narratives of unworthiness, lack, inadequacy, and even scarcity mindset that we need to heal. And when I started writing on colonized Latinas, I started to, I'm not a historian, so I work with PhDs to understand the, the the impact of colonization in our mindset today. And it was striking to see that Latin America is not the only, you know, region in the world that was colonized. And when I was talking to other friends who come from countries or regions that were previously colonized as well, they have the same feeling. They come to the U.S. and they feel inferior. They feel small. You know, they, they, they doubt themselves. So that's what, what we need to change because this is such an amazing country and so diverse and diversity is so important. Like that, you know, different races and ethnicities we have in the U.S. are becoming increasingly more important as a percentage of the population as well. So to have that uh, portion of the community doubting themselves or feeling inadequate is not for the highest good. That's where, where my work comes in is how can we change our mindset because our individual transformation will have a huge impact on the collective mm-hmm. and the U.S. will continue to be the amazing country it is with the amazing progress that we bring to the full world only if its population is self-empowered and ready to step, you know, into the world at its highest potential. Right. Wow. There's, there's a lot to unpack here. 
Um, (laughs) It is. That's why I appreciate your book. You say in your book that in order to improve the world, we must first start with ourselves. And I get that. But you talked about coming to this country and feeling inadequate. And you also talk about allies. So I think, you know, there's another side of the street here where the people who are already here need to understand this and find ways to be of assistance or or let that understanding kind of shine through who they are and and embrace let's just talk about the concept of the idea of allies what do you mean by that absolutely absolutely important so we have had a lot of labeling going on and separation and division and something that i found while writing the book we need to work together. That's the final message. We all need to work together. And when I was writing my book, I thought I was writing a book for Latinas. I'm like, I'm going to write this book for Latinas. And when I put the book out there in the world, it happens that 60% of the sales go to non-Latinos. Oh. So I start to do my research on why are you writing a book that is for Latinas? <laughs> you know, and you know, white, black men and women, non-Latinos. So I'm asking and they are like, because I want to help. I want to understand how, so because the book lays out so much information about the community, so much information unspoken about the way we think and we see ourselves, it's a great tool for allies who want to help. And also, I have to say, a great tool for, for allies who want to serve the Latino client or customer and build that loyalty from the Latino client or customer. It gives you such an insight into how we see ourselves, how we think, how we decide, how we behave. And that, that is, um, it picked up interest from the non-Latino community. So I have to say that one of the big learnings from the book, one of the big, of the much as, as profound as this information is that you said there is a lot of to unpack. The book has a lot to unpack. And you have to read it slowly because it has a lot to unpack. But one of the, the, the lessons in the book is most probably, most probably Latinos are not going to knock on your door and ask for help. We put our heads down, as I said in the beginning, and we do the work hoping somebody will notice. So we are not the ones usually to be requesting in a professional setting sponsors or mentors or even a salary increase or promotion. We, you know, take our time to do that. So it's very important if you're an ally that you know that, you know, that we will not be asking. Mm -hmm. So by building that relationship of trust and creating the safe space where we can feel, oh, it's okay to ask, that's so important. Or even to, to, to start the conversation or to, 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 to ask the question to your Latino employees, how can I help you? What can I do for you to grow, to be happy where you are? You know, that's important. But the allyship topic is super, super um, relevant right now as, you know, the Latino community is so young. 30% of Latinos are younger than 18 years old. 30% of Latinos, 20 million Latinos in the U.S. are younger than 18 years old. That means that a Latino is turning 18 every minute mm. in the U.S. It's, it's huge. So there are not enough Latinos in positions of leadership or who went through college 
or who had access corporate spaces, there are not enough Latinos to be the mentors of the younger Latinos. There is just no way. The numbers do not, you know, right. match. So that's where the allies are super important to help the younger Latinos, those who are breaking through right now, through college and through workspaces, to, to support them as mentors or as sponsors, to understand where they come from, their struggles, uh, the, the unspoken stories um, is extremely important. We all need to work together. And that goes back to the conversation, Pat, we were having a minute earlier about, you know, the U.S. being the amazing country it is and to sustain that for the future. It's really working together to help the younger ones self-empower and do the best work they can do. Oh, I love this conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much for (laughs) for sharing this. I do want to hit on your cover because in artwork of the cover, I just fell in love with it. I I just need to talk about it because I love the cover just so much. The cover is created by Colombian hands. And, you know, like a team in Colombia, uh, my my very good friend Tatiana Orozco, her company is here. She's in the U.S. And she has a team in, in multiple, she serves clients in multiple countries and she has a team uh, in multiple countries. So the cover of the book is a set of beautiful, colorful butterflies ripping through the paper mm-hmm. and flying out and upwards. And I have to say that I had a dream with this cover. I had two different covers developed and I sent that to my community my tribe, and I had them vote, and it was divided, 50-50. So, yeah, so I had to to say that that night I went to bed, and I asked God, I'm I'm very spiritual, you know, I have, it's one of my major pillars to to do the work that I do. I said, God, can you please help me choose one? (laughs) I'm open to receiving that information in my my dreams, even. So, can you help me? So, what happened is at 3 a.m. in the morning, I had this dream. I saw my book, the cover of my book, and the butterflies flying out of my book. <laughs> and I just went to my computer at that crazy time in the morning, and I sat down on PowerPoint, and I put it together for my designer to take a look at the next day. And they took it to the next level entirely. But what this means is, and it's unbelievable how this works, right? If the butterflies ripping through the paper means... um the transformation that a butterfly goes through, right? That is uncomfortable. It looks ugly in the beginning. And then through its own power, the butterfly breaks through the cocoon. If you open the cocoon for the, for the butterfly, the butterfly will die. But when it's strong enough, it breaks through the cocoon and it flies away. So it's now ripping through the paper of the book, which means a delicate being like a butterfly has the inner strength to break through the paper of the book and it's all these butterflies, different colors that represent the diversity in the Hispanic community, all flying together upwards. So it has a lot of meaning. It's talking about transformation. It's talking about the inner strength. It's talking about the power to break through and to dare to fly, dream, you know, and fly upwards. And it's about doing it together, embracing our differences. So that's all the book, the cover of the book is communicating. <laughs> Oh, I'm happy I asked about it. Um, you feel all of that. Everything you just said that I couldn't put into words, that's exactly what you feel when you look at the cover. Yeah, you know, it's like, um, 
it's a dream. It's a dream come true. That's what the cover is. <laughs> it is. It is a dream come true. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, so much more we could talk about. We're going to begin to wrap up and I want to make sure that we're not missing anything that you wanted to highlight. I just want to say that that we are so much more than we believe ourselves to be. And this is beyond the Latino community. We are so much more than what we were influenced to believe. And it's really on us to to go inside and to dismantle all those illusions, the negative voices. There is so much negativity you can run in your head today, right, with everything going on. So we, we really need to do the inner work first. Uh, that's what I have done myself and what has transformed the lives of many. What inspired me to write the book is doing that inner work, knowing who you are, um, reinforcing the positive voices in your head, Understanding that we were influenced, what you, you know, and we grew up feeling smaller than what we are and to do the work together. And I have found that to be so profoundly transformational. All the labeling, even when you feel the census, the census bureau survey, you have to put yourself in a box. Mm -hmm. You know, I understand how, why that's the case, but we need to start working together in such a different way. Um, because the diversity in this country is going to, as I said before, continue growing and be even more important. And it, it takes a lot of deconditioning of the mindset and openness. And even for me, I, I'm not saying, you know, all of us, all of us have biases towards each other. So it's time we do that work, you know, to, to understand the biases we have and start working together. And... I can see that in the younger children, mm -hmm. how, you know, they grow up within the diversity and they, they, it's more natural for them. For, for us, you know, those who come from different countries or have more of a relationship to a certain race or ancestry, we have bias, more biases. So it's the, the work that needs to be done will call us to do, to be together. And, and I'm fascinated by that. Fascinated by, by the openness. Even this space with you, right, to get to know about the culture, the Latino community, all the openness and all the willingness that I see out there, uh, it's, it's really very inspiring. So many people who really want to drive change, mm -hmm. and they are so open to, to learning and to listening. So that's my message, that, that that's beautiful what I'm observing, and I'm so happy to be part of that work. Give me so happy and motivated to wake up every morning to, to do the work of that, that will change how we we operate and that will transform our society. Oh, you are a lovely human. I'm glad we met. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad as well. You're amazing and thank you for this space. This is so important. I really appreciate this. This oh, is great. My, my pleasure. Before we wrap up, why don't you share any contact information so folks know where they can find you and get copies of your book, Uncolonized Latinas. So I'm very active in social media, Valeria Allo in Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And I usually share a lot of content, a lot of disinformation and insights and learnings and upcoming workshops and events. And also you can access information about the book in uncolonizedlatinas.com. You can also get a free chapter of the book in the website, and the book is, uh, there is a link to Amazon on the w website too. 
the book is on Amazon, in Barnes and Noble, and really anywhere that books are sold. That's perfect. Uncolonized Latinas. I highly encourage everybody to get a copy of this. Thank you so much for finding us and sharing your work with us. And anytime you've got more to speak about or books that you've written, please realize that you're always welcome here. Thank you so much, Pat. Thank you.